I hope Oedipus doesn't get ticked off Cause the rapper over his song thinks I'm a rip off Doesn't matter I clobbered his loincloth, give it to the Red Cross Mythology doesn't get a break because There's no way to tell if it's real, could be a mirage What if our faith's wrong? Maybe it's a mod podge beliefs Right and wrong isn't a thing Religion sting brings it to an ethical crosswalk This is Crescendo The Crescendo Podcast official disclaimer This podcast is not designed to offend, hurt, mentally damage Or in any way harm your well-being The ideas released in this podcast are open to the world And welcome to interpretation My hope is that it allows you to further solidify what you believe Take a stance Religion is dying That's not my interpretation of the religious scene That's what's happening A study from pewforum.org in 2014 found that atheists and non-believers are growing while adults who are religiously unaffiliated grew. From 2007 to 2014, the number of people who prayed daily fell 2%. A consistent 2% or 3% decline in faith over 7 years was remarkably steady. The study had one remarkable statistic. Religiously unaffiliated adults of a sample size that takes internet surveys who believe in God felt a staggering 9% from 70 to 61. That's a considerable number, mainly because it seemed high to me in the first place. Think of that number this way. If these statistics hold true for the entire US population, that's 29 million people that stopped believing in God over seven years, or about 4.2 million a year. That's astronomical. The church has seen declines before, but it seems to me that this time should be particularly frightening for the church because change is happening at a far faster pace than in previous generations. The whirlwind of technological innovation and radical social change is pushing society forward at an exponential rate. I would be concerned if I were a religious leader. But why does it even matter? Why do religions feel the need to spread in the first place? What about our nature as humans drive us to spread the faith? Why aren't we satisfied with just being religious without feeling the need to pass it to others? I recently studied African history and imperialism, and I was amazed that I'd never learned about this historical period before. A brief history recap, in the 1700s through the 1900s, European countries turned their attention toward Africa as a vast tract of land to establish colonies in, giving little to no attention to the native inhabitants living there. Hmm, this sounds remarkably familiar as a U.S. president. The original explorers of Africa were Christian missionaries who set off into the wilderness with the Bible and the gun. Taking up what was dubbed the white man's burden, they set off to spread Christianity to as many natives as possible with the intention of helping the natives let go of their evil religious practices. For example, many traditional African tribes believed that twins were evil and would cast one of the twins into a forest to die when they were born. The Africans believed there were evil spirits associated with them. When the missionaries arrived, they explained that twins weren't evil and showed that the twins were acceptable. The twin case is a tricky example because at least in Western culture, there isn't anything wrong with twins and killing one seems like infanticide. The importance of this example is that Western culture has no way of knowing that there aren't evil spirits associated with twins. Maybe keeping twins is an atrocious thing to do. Perhaps the African practices are crazy and they were doing horrible things to their children. But it's not a matter of right and wrong because the religious leaders felt the need to spread their beliefs to the Africans at any cost. The white man's burden was the belief that the enlightened, superior white people were morally obligated to spread their dominance to the African savages. The Europeans were more technologically advanced at the time, and the Africans may have benefited from cultural diffusion, but the approach the white man took was one of cultural drowning, using sheer power to obliterate the lesser African societies. I like to look at religion like a kingdom of life. Just like how bacteria use their environment to spread, grow, and divide, religion spreads and infects people, if you'll let me use that word, through human contact and written records. As humans, we view bacteria as a negative form of life naturally because it can pose a threat to us. 
We often forget that our bodies have healthy bacteria that we can't live without. Religion is the same way. We can't maintain mental health without fundamental religious beliefs, whether it be respect or faith in the positive. Even if one doesn't believe in God, a brain needs to have some religious principles to stay healthy. With that in mind, history has shown that religion can be used as a weapon to inflict massive loss of life, just like bacteria can take advantage of our wounds or weaknesses and influence our actions. The new Dan Brown book, the author of The Da Vinci Code, Origin, was not very good. I didn't enjoy the novel because it felt tuned to what audiences wanted to hear like a, like a pop song. When I read his first book, The Da Vinci Code, for the first time, it blew me away. Dan brilliantly intertwined the epic journey of Robert Langdon and his female companion with the police force and the Holy Grail quest. He wove the tale so intricately I was unable to put it down. Origin, his new book, was exactly like that, but not quite as good. Dan tried to incorporate cutting-edge technology as part of his adventure, but exchanging art with technology left the book with a dry, impersonal aftertaste. When it comes down to it, technology just isn't that interesting, that's kind of its point. What the book lacked in writing was redeemed by the underlying ideas. It influenced my thinking enough to make it into this episode on religion. Origin followed the atheist billionaire Edmund Kirsch, who was patterned almost precisely after our friend Elon Musk, the creator of Tesla and SpaceX. The book had some groundbreaking ideas about the role of religion in our scientific world and interesting thoughts about life's origin. It raised questions about our purpose, our need for faith, and predicted the onset of a world where technology is integrated into our biology. The most important question raised in origin is our ability to survive without religion. Do we need a god or gods to stay happy? Are we better off casting away religion entirely? Why do we have a need for religion in the first place? My favorite line from Dan Brown's other book, The Da Vinci Code, is where Langdon compares God to the imaginary number I, the square root of negative one. Langdon's point is such, does it matter if an imaginary number exists if it helps mathematicians solve equations? Does it have to be real for it to be useful? It seems to me that the trend we see in religious circles isn't anything new, just a natural part of the cycle of human belief. Science is a religion too. Religion isn't packing its bags and heading to the door, it's just shifting to a new belief system. STEM advocates argue that science is fundamentally different from spirituality, but it is not. Science is a way of explaining the world through observable traits, and religion is also a way of drawing conclusions about observable phenomena. In fact, it seems to me that anything we think is equally valid, that our visible world is just a figment of our imagination. Let's put it in scientific terms. The brain can process stimuli as a thought or a zap of electricity through the synapses. The information for that thought came from a sensor that our mind is entirely positive as a reliable source because that source is what keeps it alive. To live, there can be no doubt in the accuracy of, say, an eye. But what if the information that the sensor is pulling from is wrong? What if the world around us is completely incorrect? What if our surroundings are just a figment of our imagination? It seems to me that religion and science are all equally valid explanations for the information that we see every day. I visited Switzerland and Iceland this past summer and had the pleasure of seeing both CERN and the beautiful church in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland. The country is so small that simply the church in Iceland is enough information for any previous visitor to know the one. The church is Lutheran called the Halgrimskirka. Hold on, let's ask someone else. Alexa, what's that Lutheran church in Iceland called? Sorry, I'm not sure. Okay, anyway, the church is incredible. It's made completely out of concrete and looks like an enormous stone Jenga tower. It's relatively new, opening in 1986. I've linked their website in the description of this podcast. The Halgrim Shilka is really the center of the country because it towers over the capital, which is almost all the population in Iceland. 
Whenever a city builds a historic church, for me, it always begs the question, why? Why would one spend so much time and energy creating a building that doesn't have an apparent practical function? Private gifts funded 60% of the Halgrim Shirka. What's the point? In Switzerland, I had the opportunity to tour CERN, the European Council for Nuclear Research. It's a French acronym. This institution, arguably the greatest scientific organization of our time, created everything from the World Wide Web to the Large Hadron Collider, which found the legendary Higgs boson in 2012. The LHC cost $6.4 billion. That's an astronomical amount, and I would like to raise the same question as for the church in Iceland. What's the point? Why would countries pool that much money to unlock the secrets of the universe? What is our society hoping to gain from that? Is that going to make us happier? These massive facilities seem like the state-funded churches of our time. Both institutions are physical landmarks for the human desire to find meaning. Our brains are the best tool in the world so far for detecting and recognizing patterns, and they jump to see the ultimate meaning, the meaning of the universe. We fill our need for ultimate purpose with whatever we can find, and naturally vast organizations of people emerge to satisfy that desire. Religion is the stock solution to find something to anchor our lives on. It acts as something to give us meaning. This gap can be filled with anything that works. Some people find purpose through hard drugs or alcohol, but this particular solution is self-destructive. It also isn't fulfilling because it limits the mind to the possibilities of how one can find meaning. The problem with drugs is it's all right there. It's quantifiable, it's disappointing, it's small, it's easily observable. With religion, that meaning gap is filled with a force not easily imagined, filling the need for meaning with incredible power. Science is similar. Atheists usually, but not always, fill that disparity with scientific fact and knowledge, which works because research is expansive enough to substitute for an entire religion, and hope for new education is comparable to filling the meaning gap with the unimaginable power of God. Just like society's need for any product, be it staplers, jeans, or pineapples, the demand for a purposeful life is met with different religions. There isn't any correct belief system, just like how Levi's aren't the only correct brand of jeans. They're all acceptable pieces of denim, it just depends on how well the different religions work for each person. Maybe Buddhism is the best fit, perhaps Christianity, perhaps atheism. Atheism is the tricky one because the common understanding of atheism among scholars is that it isn't really a religion, but rather the distinct lack of belief in gods. But humans don't find happiness from nothing, so it isn't a religion. What is it then? It's exceptionally spiritual because atheists are almost always firm in their beliefs and encourage others to join them. It spreads between people just as a religion does and changes a person's belief system. Usually it goes together with science. Earlier in this episode, I made the bold declaration that science is a religion. But what is the standard? How should we compare belief systems? I want the takeaway from this episode for you, my good listener, to be the understanding that we all need meaning and we all choose different ways to fill our purpose gap. There are positive ways to do this and not as positive ways. Here's an amusing example. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is my top five favorite books of all time, but only devoted fans know it as part of a series of equally great books. In one of the sequels called Life, the Universe, and Everything, Douglas Adams creates a character by the name of Bowerk Wowbagger the Infinitely Prolonged, which is probably the greatest name ever. The Hitchhiker's Wiki explains his role very well. Bowerk Wowbagger, the infinitely prolonged, is an immortal being who became immortal after an accident with a few rubber bands, a liquid lunch, and a particle accelerator. After a period of total boredom, especially on Sunday afternoons, he decided to insult everyone in the entire universe in alphabetical order. Wowbagger insults gods to get them to kill him. He partially succeeds when Thor hits him so hard that he loses his immortality. Wowbagger's character is fantastic because his mission is both relatable and bizarre. 
The book explains that he spent his first few millennia as an immortal with no purpose, aimlessly wandering the universe. His life finally became interesting when he found a goal to insult every single person in the universe in alphabetical order. Wildbagger filled his purpose gap with that mission. Even though there was no reason for him to do so, it gave his immortal life meaning. It didn't end well for our friend because he filled that gap with a terrible goal and his suffering ended when he encouraged a god to kill him. Wildbagger's mission can teach us about purpose and meaning in our day-to-day -day lives. What are we going to fill the meaning synapse with? A force for good? Alcohol? Religion? Family? Science? A hobby? I think we need to correct the way we think about religion. I believe that it doesn't matter what's right and wrong because that's beside the point. I think that it doesn't matter how we explain our surroundings because everything around us is just a figment of our imagination. I don't think the question, is God real, a legitimate one because it doesn't matter if God is real. That's not the point. The very idea of God isn't about something that exists. It's about faith in something that will help people lead better lives. Just like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, we have to define what real is. So far as I can see, we have no idea what real is. The premise of real is that something truly exists rather than not existing. But what is true? True seems to be entirely reliant on our consciousness to confirm the existence of something. In other words, something is real only if our consciousness has agreed with the fact that it exists. But how do we know that it is real? There's no way of knowing. Perhaps nothing is real. Perhaps our world is not present at all, but a figment of our imagination. Descartes summed this up in his classic line, I think, therefore I am. His reasoning was such, the only thing that is certain is that one can doubt the certainty of the world. And if something was challenging the world, then there's something there that definitely exists, even if the world is completely wrong. The reasoning took me a long time to grasp, but I encourage you to spend some time to wrap your head around it. Religion is the same way. There's no way of knowing what is real and what's not real, and it doesn't matter. What matters is that we understand that it doesn't matter and find what's going to make us the happiest in life. There's an excellent crash course video that I recommend watching. It's about 10 minutes long. It's called Anselm and the Argument for God, and it lays out Anselm of Canterbury's argument for physically proving God's existence. I've linked it in the description. I'll quote the video to summarize Anselm's argument. God is the greatest thing we can think of. Things can exist only in our imaginations or they can also exist in reality. Things that exist in reality are always better than things that exist only in our imaginations. If God existed only in our imaginations, he wouldn't be the greatest thing we can think of because God in reality would be better. Therefore, God must exist in reality. Why don't I read it one more time, in a different accent this time. God is the greatest thing we can think of. Things can exist only in our imaginations or they can also exist in reality. Things that exist in reality are always better than things that exist only in our imaginations. If God existed in our imaginations, it wouldn't be the greatest thing we could think of because God in reality would be better. Therefore, God must exist in reality. Anselm was trying to definitively prove that God is a tangible force and the Crash Course writers have an excellent analysis of its weaknesses. I disagree with its fundamental premise. It's a fun thought experiment, but it doesn't matter if God exists in reality. Every reality that a human could create isn't necessarily going to be correct and there's no way to prove that our existence is real. Our society is entering a new era of technological innovation and our current thought systems will have to be rethought or completely overturned to stay relevant. The religious, healthy strain of bacteria is trying to compete with new life forms and it will survive only if it can adapt to the current surroundings. This can only happen on the individual level where we explicitly choose to rethink our systems of thought. 
I'll wrap up this episode with a question for you. Are different ways of thinking mutually exclusive? Can religion, science, family, hobbies, and other purpose fillers be seamlessly integrated into a life? Do we have to be constrained by the notion that only one belief system is true? How can everyone live fulfilling lives by blending thought systems? In the spirit of the episode, I recorded an acapella cover of the classic hymn, Come O Fount of Every Blessing. Stick around after the credits to give it a listen. Crescendo Podcast is written, recorded, produced, mixed, and published by me, Maywood. Every track you hear on this show is my original content, with the exception of the intro and outro track, which was written by Acids and Last Voyage and published on Distance Records. You hear it everywhere, but it actually does help when you subscribe on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much to Cry to Form, who designed the purple logo. Thanks to John Hargrave, father, blockchain enthusiast, talented chef, and slap bass player for your continued support and encouragement. And thanks to the staff and friends on Cream Dart for the feedback and good vibes. You just listened to half an hour of content that you hopefully enjoyed, and I'll keep the money talk short and sweet. My challenge for you today is this. I don't believe that you will donate some Bitcoin. My challenge for you is to be the person that stands up for independent content creators. Prove me wrong and donate a few dollars of Bitcoin to the address that can be found in my bio on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else. Just copy and paste the address into the send part of your app. Best of luck. Come, O fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing your grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of endless praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it. Mount of God's unfailing love. Good night, Jake. Uh, good night, Jake.